In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one woman and one man will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine, well, very little actually, Emily Jones and Eric Johnson star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the other has never even seen. I'm Emily Jones. And I'm Eric Johnson. If this is your first time listening, you can find more Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob at gvnpodcast.com. And you can also find all of our past episodes on iTunes. This week we're watching Train Spotting, Danny Boyle's 1996 film about the 1980s drug scene in Edinburgh, Scotland. It's based on the Irvine Welsh novel of the same name. I had no idea this was based on a novel, okay. And stars Ewan McGregor, Johnny Lee Miller, and tons of other recognizable faces. But I've never seen it. It isn't. And you'll notice that I didn't call him Obi Wan this time. I know, right? I'm proud of you. You didn't call him Obi Wan yeah. or Christian, although I don't think you really took to him as Christian in Moulin Rouge. I mean, he he was good in Mulan. Rouge. I'm not going to dispute that. I'm just saying, like, I knew him as Obi Wan first. That's I know. all. Yeah, but no, it is based on a novel, and actually, there's another novel, and they're doing a sequel. Oh wow! Yeah, like set obviously much later because all of the actors are significantly older than they were in 1996. By 20, 1996 was 20, 20 years. 20 years, ago. in fact, they're 20 years older than they were in 96. <laughs> yeah. Yike. Yeah, no, but but this movie is great, and uh, I'm just I don't know. I was surprised to learn you hadn't seen it. Yeah, well, I, I was surprised to learn that it's apparently been in my Netflix queue, probably for years. So, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> let's go find out if I actively that like it or point. not. That is the point. Okay, I'll see you after the break. Hey, guys, we are off watching Train Spotting. Woo-hoo! That was a train. And, <laughs> yes, because that's totally relevant. <laughs> um, I guess you don't know yet whether it's relevant or not. Yeah, but, no, I actually uh, haven't started watching it yet, Emily, because we're recording this <laughs> literally 30 seconds after we just recorded the intro. Sorry to um, spoil the magic for all the listeners. As usual, uh, we are going to spoil everything that happens in this movie, and you don't want that to happen to you because it's worth watching, you know, without spoilers. Yes. So I, I've have... managed to avoid spoilers for 20 years, so, you know. I know. Like I me. was actually impressed. You didn't even know, like, the premise of it, which is... Spotting trains. It's a movie about trains. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's all they do. They just sit in a train station and watch trains go by. That's, that's <sighs> boring, Emily. But fine. If it's for the uh, podcast. Uh, but anyway, you should definitely, as always, not continue this podcast uh, an episode until you have watched this movie, which you can very easily do because it's on Netflix. Yay, Netflix! Enjoy the movie. And we're back. We just watched Train Spotting, directed by Danny Boyle. This is a very Danny Boyle film. Um, <laughs> I can kind of, having seen Slumdog Millionaire and um, uh, Steve Jobs, it's kind of interesting to see how his visual style has uh, has evolved uh, over the years. But it's still something I, stayed the same. I haven't seen uh, Steve Jobs, but Don't, the it's first not good. the first parallel that springs to mind between this and Slumdog Millionaire is. Uh, Bodies being completely doused in feces. So that's true. That There's is that. something that happens in both of these movies. And I, because when that happens, Specif- Sorry, specifically, specifically diving into toilets or yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> and that has never occurred to me until just this moment. 
when when that happened in this movie, that's like the first like thing that's like a little bit um uh, like out of the out of the real uh, surreal. I guess is the word I'm looking for. And yeah, he... I'm sorry that I forgot to warn you that there are parts of this movie that you probably <laughs> don't want to be eating dinner during. I, I thankfully was not, but I was numerous. Like, I was numerous full on cringing. Yeah, numerous. <laughs> potentially vomit inducing portions of this movie i apologize about that no 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 so uh yeah yeah oh well um but uh before we get to what i thought of of uh train spotting emily why don't you share a little bit about what you think of this movie all right uh what i think of it which frightens me that you asked it that way since it's usually like what i love about the movie or whatever what you love about the Um, movie is I i meant nothing by that um, sorry, I'm just reading into the things that you say. Um, no, I mean, I mean, besides the obviously excellent soundtrack, uh, I think, and please don't take this as a cop out. I think that what I like about this movie overall is it's sort of overall tone and, and I mean, extremely sick, but it's sense of humor. Yeah. It's a very sick sense of humor, but it's sense of humor because I think that, um, it's really difficult to make a movie um, about this subject matter or substantially featuring drug addiction or any kind of addiction um, that that strikes the balance that I think this movie strikes really well. Like, I think it's, you know, it, it doesn't um, it doesn't at all shy away from the dark, horrible shit. It, that's inherent in all of this stuff. Sure. Um, but it doesn't do that. It doesn't cover that subject matter in the kind of like, uh, like just awful, like overly dour, just like, yeah, super just, dramatic. Beating, just beating you over the head with like, with yeah. like awful suffering porn, you know? Well, that's why I've it, never seen Requiem for a dream is I've, I've heard, you know, I've heard from people, Oh, it's so good. And it's so, it's such an important message, but man, it wants, makes you want to kill yourself. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that, that a lot of movies that, that deal with this kind of subject matter fall into either like, you know, because they don't get into that side of it, it ends up kind of valorizing or glamorizing, you know, this whole lifestyle and sort of a sex, drugs and rock and roll kind of way. Um, Or you end up, you end up on the, like, you know, the, the two hour anti-drug PSA. And that's, that's like, you know, important with a capital I, but like literally impossible to watch and not remotely enjoyable. And this movie, I mean, there are parts of it that are incredibly difficult to watch. Yes. Like, really, really, really difficult to watch. I found myself thinking, like, I'm surprised Emily has rewatched this, apparently, several times. (laughs) But that's that's intentional. And, like, I mean, there should be parts of this that are hard to watch. Because, like, there's parts of this subject matter that are hard to square with. But overall, you know, because of its its sort of... uh, really well really well done i think balancing act and it's you know weird sick sense of humor the movie you know remains like enjoyable and rewarding on a rewatch and and a movie that i and and you know many other people like despite the fact that horrible impossible to watch things happen in it yeah um 
so I agree to a point. I, I, I liked the movie. I didn't love it. Um, and I kind of, even though obviously I recognize it as a black comedy, um, I don't know. Like, I get sort of, I, I, I did like the, the discord between the, these, you know, comedically, you know, awful characters and sort of the, the tragic things that sometimes happen to them and then mixed in with the antics and all that. Like, there was a lot to like about Smithy and we'll, we'll get into that. But I kind of, at the end of it, I kind of felt sort of um, like shrugging my shoulders a little bit about sort of like, okay, so I guess nothing really happened, um, you know, which maybe was the point. I guess the, there were certain very critically acclaimed Coen Brothers films about which I've said the same things. Um, but I don't know. It just kind of felt like our main character was an observer to the worst things that he didn't have to go through as much himself. And so, therefore, I didn't really feel like I totally connected with the worst stuff. But at the same time, um, obviously, there was there was still a lot of bad stuff. So it wasn't purely sort of a, a black comedy and uh, sort of horrible things happening, you know, with constant comedic beats. There, there were long stretches that were clearly trying to be something more than that. So... I don't know. I'm kind of, kind of left not totally sure what what to make of Train Spotting. I there, there's, there's so much of it that I liked, and I don't want to like write it off. But at the same time, I'm kind of having a hard time like imagining like would I ever really want to watch this again? Yeah, and you know, I, tr- thinking back to the first time that I watched it, um, I, I do think I was probably a little less taken with it. Um, not that I didn't like it, but, but like the first, the first time that I watched it, I do think that my reaction was kind of similar to yours. Like, I, I feel like my, my initial reaction was like, okay, like that was a good movie, but I'm not sure I a hundred percent see why I know people who like love, 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 love this movie. Yeah. Because like, I'm not really sure that I ever want to watch a dead baby crawl on a ceiling and have its head turn around exorcist style. Yeah. Again. Especially uh, after, but the, the, that um, came and yet, after and yet a has, really like serious scene where the baby's actually dead. Like, the, uh, yeah. And so, and that was kind of I couldn't because that was such a ridiculous sort of druggy scene. I mean, that that was presented in the same style as him diving through poop to get to suppositories. Well, I don't know. You I know? mean, I don't think. I mean, it was presented in this similar kind of like like uh, sort of. Um, fantasy or 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 kind of magical realism kind of sure. style but i feel like the music on the scene made it i mean it was it's scary and intense it's awful oh totally like, no i agree like pulsing it... pulsing terrible music so like yeah yeah i don't know no but but um no i what i'm saying is what i'm saying is that i see your point like it's it's definitely it's definitely a a weird movie Um, and I, and I can definitely see like not necessarily enjoying it. And I think that what has ended up happening with me and probably I'm going to assume with a lot of people is that, is that, um, I don't know the parts that kind of stick with you are like, are like the really kind of good parts and the enjoyable parts. And that has made me go back and, and watch it. For, for the for the good stuff, and you kind of can glide and then, over the yeah. Well, and then and then like and then having gone back for that stuff, I've grown to kind of, um, I don't know, more appreciate the 
the whole thing more. Yeah. Okay, like, well, for instance, it, it, it might help if we break this down a little bit, kind of go yeah. into specifics of, of so like um let's start let's start with Ewan McGregor's character, Renton, right? Is his name? Um Yeah, Mark Renton. Mark Renton. And um so like as I mentioned, like he kind of is observer to and friend to a lot of stuff that's going on so his friend tommy who's initially clean uh he gets hooked on on heroin and then he dies um and be and he like dies of a thing related to a cat and cat shit. he has aids right but the the guy is saying <laughs> it has to do with like cat shit and well so it's yeah like... i mean that's it's it's like a heart it's that's yeah that's the like gross and awful way in which he ultimately dies but he he dies because he gets he gets you know right an infection of the kind you wouldn't get if you didn't have AIDS. but it felt like the whole cat scene was being played for laughs like it felt like that was being played for just like uh isn't this funny like this junkie you know like didn't know you could get you could die from cat shit like that that scene felt totally like Okay, to, to, to draw an example, I won't get into the characters for for spoilers' sake, but when we watched Four Weddings and a Funeral, another pick of yours, that's a movie that, for majority of its runtime, has a very upbeat and very comedic tone. Like, like there's a lot of, like, laughs, and then the titular funeral that comes about is a total fucking gut punch, and it works so well because the movie has earned its way through these, these strongly developed characters, and then one of them, you know, who I'm, again, not going to say for people who miss that episode uh one, one of them dies there is and a funeral in the name of the movie there's a funeral and 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 the sharp turn in in tone feels totally earned and and is is so much sadder for as a result of it because it really feels like this is a movie that like feels more like real life whereas this movie which i get is obviously not trying to be totally realistic there are there are this is the magical realism and there's the surreal stuff and obviously it's showing a very um extreme culture but like i i don't know it felt it felt like it went to the opposite direction where like this was after you know it was trying to say some dramatic stuff try, trying to set up something having to do with tommy getting aids and there's like plague graffiti on the wall and then it's like at his funeral, like here, here's you know uh, some stuff about like oh it wasn't really AIDS it was his cat like I I don't know I just kind of uh, had a lot of problems with that scene. Uh, yes, um, but I, I I think that there's um I think there's another layer going on there um that's not probably something that is happening overarching sort of throughout the movie mm-hmm. um which is there's this kind of other thing going on that that our narrator Renton and really m- none of the characters ever really acknowledge except sort of at a at they 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 brush with it every once in a while sure um which is there's there's this kind of other layer I think going on about like uh how how fucked up they really are and like how twisted they are and like bear with me while i say this because obviously like you can pretty much tell throughout the movie that like how fucked up they are right but the the closest that it gets to like an explicit acknowledgement of that for me of whatever acknowledgement of what i am reading into it is when um when the baby dies and everyone's all upset and sick boy is saying you know say something just fucking say something and then in his voiceover, Ewan McGregor says, you know... I wish I could think of something to say. Something sympathetic. Something human. And then the thing that he actually says is... I'll cook it up. He essentially says, I'll cook up the next hit. 
and like and that's kind of the closest it gets to an explicit acknowledgement of like of like Jesus Christ, their friend is fucking dying of AIDS and all of them could be because they've all been sharing needles for right. years and and you know, the way they're processing it is by like talking about this stupid supposed to be funny story of the cat and like obviously that's super sick and wrong and no, screwed but up at this point Renton has already learned that he's negative he's already learned that he's clean which I think totally undercuts sort of the the fear that would accompany well, being no, a junkie like no 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 it's but it's not about the, what I'm talking about is not about the fear of of having AIDS or or of anything else it's about I mean it's his fault it's his right. goddamn fault. Not just because he made him the, not just because he he is the one who gave Tommy his first hit, but he's the one who switched the fucking tapes that led to the breakup. I mean, right, exactly. And he has, and he's completely numb. He has absolutely, you know, no acknowledgement of that at all. He has like, he has no reaction when Tommy is telling him all of this stuff when he's begging for the heroin. When any of that happens until, until Tommy the offers his, the money, yeah. yeah, and and yeah. So I think that I, I mean. Yeah, the scene the scene is 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 weird and off putting and 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 you know kind of and terrible. But like I don't know, I feel like that's the point. Like I feel to yeah. me the point is that like I mean not only are these characters like horrible and fucked up in all of the obvious ways that we see, but like there's there's you know even their way of telling the story is like awful and weirdly desensitized to what's really going on because they're so divorced from like reality and normal morality and normal feelings i guess yeah i guess i i feel like i under (laughs) i feel like i understand that but i didn't wasn't able to apply that understanding to a better enjoyment of the film like i feel like that's not something that was that was lost on me per se in the actual like watching of the film you know i got these are fucked up characters and that they they are desensitized to a lot of like real stuff that that, i mean that's what they 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 lead with is kind of you know the fact that this is the alternative to everything else in life is you are doing these drugs and you are not caring about literally anything else all you're caring about is your next hit i think is what he says yeah and so that that you know that that's kind of a good way of setting it up um like I kind of wonder if like I I'm I'm I wonder if it, I would have in, enjoyed it more if there were some sort of comeuppance for our main bad character like everyone except for you and McGregor gets like punished in in you know various ways in more serious ways than he does obviously he goes through like a bad you know um, recovery at he, one point he overdoses he over he overdoses and then he has a hard time recovering and sort of has a creepy baby you know scene. Um, with the exorcist. Withdrawals. Yeah. But, like, compared to, you know, okay, so so you have Tommy who gets AIDS and dies. You have Spud who goes to jail for six months and then later on gets cut twice, apparently, first in the wrist and then you see in the, the, the cut later on in the head when, when Bigs, Big B, Bigsby? Begby. Begby uh, freaks out. Uh, Begby is, you know, uh, running from the law and can't leave the house. And then, you know, and then you have... Um, presumably ends up in prison. Presumably ends up in prison. Yeah, I mean, you could assume as much. From, the police from the walk into the room the... while he's trashing it, yeah. And then, um, and then the uh, sick boy, um, he is implied or basically said to be the father of the baby that dies. Well, yeah. And, and it kind of feels like... 
you know, all the worst things happen around you and McGregor, and he, you know, at the end, runs away with the money and just says, okay, I'm a bad person. What are you going to do about it? You know? like No, I mean, that's fair. You know, I just kind of, I, f- I feel like maybe if there had been some sort of turn, some, like, it feels like there were several points in this movie, there were several arcs in this movie where, yeah, McGregor's a heroin addict. He gets clean, and then he's a heroin addict again, and then he gets clean again. He's a heroin addict, heroin addict again, and then he gets clean again. It felt like it was sort of a, a cyclical thing that never really paid off or never really pushed his character beyond, you know, just being, being there, I, you know? Yeah, I mean, everything that you're saying is absolutely true. Um, I guess I guess the... The difference is is that it bothers you and it doesn't bother me. Yeah. I mean, like you're yeah. not wrong. His character. <laughs> I mean, even though even though you know it's it's implied at the end of the movie that that he ends up clean. But no, um, it's it's not really implied though because he's he said that yeah, oh, yeah he twice says in the, in the same movie that oh yeah I'm gonna go clean blah 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 like I, my assumption coming out of the movie was of course that's not gonna happen that's totally him lying to himself. I mean, yeah, it's him. It's him lying to himself. And even when the last time we see him take a hit, he says, "This was to be my final hit." But let's be clear about this: there's final hits and final hits. What kind was this to be? Right. Um. But I mean, I've always kind of assumed that he that he ended up clean because he um because we see him try to uh in the middle of the movie when he goes to London. And, you know, he ends up getting dragged back into it because Begbie and then Sick Boy kind of come and impose themselves on his, his, you know, life attempting to be away from them. And it's like, I don't know, I, I guess I, I optimistically like to think that he maybe has a shot at it. Yeah. If he doesn't have those people in his life, which is, you know, I agree one of the to disagree on that. I, standard... I like, well, they, they well, didn't wait, have to wait, push wait. very hard for him to him to go back into it. No, they know? didn't. And it, well, and the, but the thing is, though, I mean, like, that's one of the like standard, like real life pattern patterns right. of addiction. And um, I don't know. I mean, again, I guess I guess like we kind of keep running up against like you have an issue with the movie. And I'm like, no, I acknowledge that. I just feel like it's kind of the point. Yeah. No. And like, I, and I acknowledge like, I the fact that it is the point. Like, like I, I'm I think not it's saying kind that of my a, issues yeah. are, are not the point. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, no, that, and that's what I, that's what I mean by I feel like, like, I got by the like, intended movie. I feel like I saw I the think, same movie as you, you know? <laughs> no, I know. And that's, that's kind of what I'm saying. I mean, ultimately what we're, what we're kind of getting at is like, is like, no, you're identifying things that are true. It's just that they bother you and they don't bother me. All right, so, so what are some some of your other thoughts on on train spotting? Like maybe maybe that'll help me kind of diagnose my my uh, my angle into this. Well, no, I and I don't think I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with your with your angle into it. Um, <laughs> I, again, you know, I, I I think I I I have kept coming back to it for a variety of of like sort of the little vignettes that happen within it. Um, yeah. and by watching it over and over again, I've kind of ended up. Um, I don't know. I guess just sort of embracing what it is, kind of. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying. I'm not trying to like take away your enjoyment. No, no, no. Movie. I yeah. know. I know you're not. I mean, this is that's what that's what this podcast is about. So I yeah. mean, like, okay. So like the things that the things that I think are great that I like come back to the opening scene montage mm-hmm. is great and it's it famous. Is. It's famous for that. You yes. know, all that that whole thing. You know, was on like the poster and the promotional materials. Like choose life, choose all of that. Um, 
and again the music is like kind of perfect great music yeah i can yeah i mean, agree on that <laughs> and you know particularly particularly that scene the use of lust of life and uh, excuse me lust for life in that scene and um oh my god the overdose scene to perfect day is yeah i it's i and that's one of those things that i just again like well, and all, both, and also the visuals of that scene are, are great too. Yeah, sinking into the floor, and then the whole thing, and and you figuring out like, oh, okay, like what what's going on with Mother Superior? I thought all of that was really well done. Right, exactly, and it's really like it's 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 the it's no song could be more perfect for that right. moment because it's like because it's this sort of like sweet love song going on the lyrics. Well, there are, are like, some people who think that actually the that it was written about drugs that he I mean probably and drugs. that's another well and but that's what I'm getting at though. Yeah. And then like and like that's another reason that it's the perfect thing is like yeah. the lyrics sound like a sweet love song which is totally how he feels about heroin. Right. Cuz he call I mean he calls it, you know, better than the best orgasm you ever had and all of that Thousand kind of stuff better, like yeah. absolutely, you know, this is a character whether or not Lou Reed was writing the lyrics about drugs which he probably was that's totally how this character feels about his drugs totally but also like unlike most you know sort of love songs whatever like the tone of it is like it's like sad it's like a funeral song even mm-hmm. though it's saying like this was perfect and whatever so yeah no it could it's like it could not be more perfect of a song for that for that scene i mean the scene where he rants about scotland it's shy being scottish with the lowest of the law the scum of the fucking earth. The most wretched, miserable, servile, pathetic trash that was ever shot into civilization. Some people hate the English. I don't. They're just wankers. We, on the other hand, are colonized by wankers. Can't even find a decent culture to be colonized by. The, that, whole, that whole thing is just, you know, yeah. a delight and a half. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know that I think Ewan McGregor is super pretty, so there's also that. I mean, he's certainly not very pretty in this. He's, like, skeletal and awful-looking. But At first, I wasn't sure still... if I was going to be able to recognize him, but then there's a close-up, and I was like, oh, yeah, I can kind of yeah, see that's that. Him. Yeah. That's him. He's still, he's still got that smile, even though he does it with sort of, like, a manic way Yeah. in this movie. Um, earrings yeah. also not a good good choice oh, for him. Yeah, that, that earring also, did not also, um, another thing that I love that you may or may not have noticed mm-hmm. is uh, Sick Boy's obsession with James Bond. I, I mean, kind like the, of noticed that. Yeah, it was a little bit. <laughs> it was like the, right after the opening montage. Right, was, exactly. <laughs> the first conversation you actually hear the characters have is like him talking about, yeah, about <laughs> Goldfinger being a better movie than Thunder than um, Dr. No and Thunderball being even better than that. And throughout the movie, he talks about, he's talking about Sean Connery. He does a Sean yep. Connery impression. He's talking about... Um, about uh, uh, Percy Galore versus versus uh, well Honey Rider, but I'm trying Ursula to Andress. Ursula Andress. That's what, yeah, no, he's saying her, Ursula Andress is the ultimate Bond girl. I mean, and and it's not just that though. I mean, like obviously that's gonna that's like that's a way to my heart. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> um, I figured that would come up. <laughs> yeah. No, but also like you know the characters kind of talk and argue about pop culture in in a way that feels very relatable and human and we literally have a podcast about it you yeah. know like except we don't n- neither of us holds up a sniper rifle <laughs> no no we don't we don't you know do any shooting of dogs in parks nor 
at least I'm not doing any heroin. I can't speak for you because you're on the opposite <laughs> coast. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, it seems like there's a correlation here between heroin addiction and obsessive talking about James Bond. So if there's anything that Stop you it. need to share. Stop you know. it. Stop <laughs> it. No, I do not have a heroin addiction or any kind of relationship with heroin at all. Um, no, but, 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 but anyway, you know. Like, when he's talking about his grand theory of life, you know, he's talking about various, right. like, musicians he feels like have gone... And in general, Reed. Yes. And in general, the, um, you know, the characters just kind of, like, talk and argue about, about like, inane pop culture nonsense. Yeah. Again, in a way that just feels, like, relatable to me. <laughs> I kind of wonder if... Um... So, I'm basically, I'm just listing the things that I was talking about that, like that like caused me to rewatch the movie several times until I, you know, started to really, really like it. Yeah. As opposed to feeling, I, I think I do, I mean, maybe not quite as much as you're, as I'm getting from you right now, but like the first time I watched it, I do think I felt like kind of wi- a little wishy-washy on it. A little like, huh. Yeah. There were parts of that that I really, really liked, but like, I'm not really sure how I feel about the whole. Yeah, and without giving away what it is, one of the other films on on my list is uh, I felt the same way. Like I didn't like it the first time I saw it, and now I love Ooh, it. Now I'm so, intrigued about uh, that. But I'm not sure if we'll get to that this season. We'll find out. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I'm just on the topic of like the inane pop culture conversations. Um, none of them are as well directed or well well written as this movie. But are you uh, a fan of like the Kevin Smith like genre of, of films, like those those films? I've seen some of them. Because, like, that's, like, a big defining thing of those films is just characters just sitting around talking about inane pop culture shit. And, like, I kind of – it's been a long time since I've seen, like, Mallrats or uh, or Dogma. And I'm, I'm kind of, like, wondering, like – I have I went... not seen Mallrats. I have seen Dogma. Okay. I mean, I think Dogma's better, but Mallrats is, like, the most pop culture-y of, of all of them. It's just, like that, – that's um, – the fam- most famous thing from Mallrats is um, – they're talking about how can Superman and Lois Lane have sex because Superman would just like tear through her because he's the man of steel. I know because he's so strong and also an alien. I know it doesn't make any sense at all. They're talking about how well if you have a kryptonite condom, then you know like I think that sort of thing is. Uh... Well, but like, would he even be able to work? Like, would he even be able to get it up with a kryptonite condom on? I, I, feel I like don't not. know. I I I'm haven't given that much thought to this. I've just watched I, that's, the movie. That's that's the obvious thing. I mean, I haven't seen Mallrats, but that's the <laughs> obvious thing that occurs to me like I feel like that's not a thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, now we're case, now we're on a tangent. No. no, so I'm curious to know um independent of like your actual thoughts on the movie, I'm curious on your thoughts on the cast because I feel like you probably recognized a lot of them. I actually didn't. I mean, obviously I recognize you and McGregor, but who else was this supposed to recognize? Okay, uh, Kelly McDonald is the gray lady from the eighth Harry Potter movie, the girl, the schoolgirl that he hooks up with. Okay, and and who is she in Harry Potter? She's the gray lady, the ghost, Rowena Ravenclaw's daughter. Okay, yeah, no, that that did not click with me at all. <laughs> Try again. Um, also, Mother Superior is Yaxley. The Death Eater who chases them through the Ministry of Magic. You've in seen the these movies one. so many more times than I have. <laughs> these are such minor characters in and Harry Potter. And Spud's girlfriend is Moaning Myrtle. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. If I, I, I had no idea, but I mean that one I actually would have. Wait. So this movie came out in ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. Also, um, Ewan McGregor's dad is uh, Gior Mormont, the the uh, commander of the Night's Watch before he gets killed at um, oh. Craster's Keep. Okay, yeah. that that's probably the one that that it, it, 
now that I think about it, is firing the most synapses. But <laughs> yeah, and I, I, there's a good chance okay. you've seen um, Kevin McKidd, Tommy, or um... yeah, he looked sort of familiar, but I couldn't place him for the life. Yeah, of me, well, yeah. apparently he's on Grey's Anatomy, which I've never watched. I've never but, have either, um, yeah. but th- I think there's there's like lots of other stuff that he's into. Just and also, British TV. I'm sure I've seen more, <laughs> the, even more of these people, and I say haven't really connected the dots. Yeah, and... well, and, and and the one I haven't named yet because I'm not sure if you've actually seen anything with him in it, but Johnny Lee. Miller is like pretty famous. He was married to Angelina Jolie. He was in Gone in sixty seconds with no, that's a lie. He was in um, Hackers with her. Uh, Wait, and yeah, he, I just saw Hackers like a couple months ago for the first time. Yeah, and he's he's all, he has similar like terrible blonde hair. Um, he's also he plays Sherlock Holmes on Elementary, the CBS right. American set, okay, I modern can see Sherlock that. Holmes. Yeah, and also, and actually, you know what? Um, it's funny that I that occurred to me while we were watching this movie. You would have no way of knowing this, mm. but this was like a really random leap from Clueless. Like, there's really <laughs> no connection at all. I just kind of felt like watching this movie. Yeah, but it occurred to me while I was watching it that actually both Ewan McGregor and Johnny Lee Miller have starred as separate characters in separate adaptations of Emma. <laughs> so wow. right around right around the time that Train Spotting came out, Ewan McGregor starred as Frank Churchill in the Gwyneth Paltrow version of Emma, okay. which is um for your uninitiated knowledge, the equivalent of the gay friend. Okay. From Clueless. Okay. Um, and then while we, when we were in college, like in the neighborhood of like 2009, 2010-ish, mm-hmm. um, Johnny Lee Miller starred as the equivalent of the Paul Rudd love interest character in a miniseries version of Emma. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Also, right. just like another, just while I'm listing scenes that I like to try to defend how many scenes that are good and worth rewatching in this movie... <laughs> I love the bit outside of the club when he like chases her down and yeah. she okay, and that was she great. like she like totally eviscerates him just like The truth is that you're a quiet sensitive type but if I'm prepared to take a chance I might just get to know the inner you witty adventurous passionate loving loyal taxi a little bit crazy a little bit bad but hey don't us girls just love that and leaves just, the cab door open, yeah. Right, but just like the way she has him, just like completely down to a T, and especially you knowing as I do, which you did not, I assume, when you were watching it, that she's like she's a teenager, yeah, <laughs> who's yeah, like yeah. <laughs> got this perfect read on this like low life of an adult <laughs> who's hitting on her, and she just like takes him down, and it's like even better knowing that she's we never actually know her age, but you know she's implied to be like fifteen, sixteen years old, right. like. Yeah. She's in the, the the uniform, yeah. It's, um, I kind of kind of saw that, even though I didn't really know it at that point. Um, once she kicked him out of her room, right. um, I uh, I I made the connection there, and I um, have you have you seen Animal House? I feel like I can't even deign to answer that question, Eric. That's a yes, okay. Because um, I feel like Animal House kind of did did that joke, you know, um, in, oh, a, in a yeah. much with faster a, fashion. It was, it was a, a very quick Dean's turnaround. Dean's daughter, whoever she is, yeah. Right, Dean, Dean, Dean Wormer's daughter, where they have sex and then she immediately says, I'm 14. <laughs> um, that kind of gets to the punchline a little bit faster. Um, well, yeah. But, um... They had, like, a whole montage of, like, morning after discomfort to do, though, so... That's true. Okay, yeah, so when, uh, when Spuds wakes up, um, 
I at first thought like that his girlfriend had gone like the Reina Bobbitt on him. Like I, I did not. I thought that the first time I saw it too. No, it's just he just shot the bed. Which is which? Yeah, and that. that... But no, because like when it, yeah, no, it kind of looks like blood and on he, his hand. Yeah, yeah. it's just like. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, gross. There's definitely plenty of grossness that happens in this movie. Exactly. It's yeah, it's, it's like it, it's more than a normal black out, or more, more than a normal black comedy. Um, there's a lot of like really over the top gross out stuff and a lot of really like yeah, you know crazy. It's pretty gross. Um, which is I think part of the the mood whiplash that I was feeling a bit. Like it, it goes to. I think more extremes in the comedy direction than the dramatic direction. So it's like the the balance between light and dark, I think was kind of just not what I was expecting, but yeah, it's definitely weird. Yeah. So a weird balance. to say um, I like weird movies. So I, I like, I like the experience of watching this. I like the, uh, the, just the technical, you know, accomplishment of this. I thought it was very well directed. Um, I mean, Danny Boyle, obviously, you know, um, yeah, he's you know he's he's pretty good. So I like I like most of the actors. You know, Ewan McGregor was good, and uh, yeah, I, th- I thought about, most of the the supporting uh, cast was good too. So um, yeah, I mean overall, I'm glad I watched this. I'm just not sure if I could ever really make myself watch it again. <laughs> no, that's totally fair. I mean, there's a there's a lot of of you know uh, bodily fluids. Yeah, <laughs> and weird darkness. So I really don't blame you if you don't watch it again. Yeah. So. But I enjoy it. Yay. Yay Yay for things you enjoy. (laughs) It's very nice of you. So, um, unless you have anything else to say. Nope. um, What are we watching, reading, doing next time? I was trying to think of, like, how to segue from Trainspotting to this. And there's no good way. I just want to watch this movie again. Uh, We're going to be watching a movie that, when it came out in theaters, was called Edge of Tomorrow. Um, which is... Does it have a different name now? Yes. Because I remember that coming out in theaters, and I feel like I actually got it wrong on a trivia thing about, like, Tom Cruise's last five movies or something. Yeah, so when it came out, it's called Edge of Tomorrow, and I'm, like, the only person who saw it, um, even though it was a really fucking good movie. No one on my trivia team saw it. None of us could come up with it as one of Tom Cruise's last five movies. Well, it's a great movie. We're going to watch it. When asked. Wait, but does it have a different name now? Yeah, it's now called Live, Die, Repeat. Um, but then if you why? look, why that's bizarre. Why marketing did they because, because they're, they're the marketing people were thinking like, okay, we just gotta we can save it. We I can mean, save this film if we just change the title. That is definitely a a much clearer connection to what I remember happening in the trailer. So <laughs> I feel like it would be easier to remember that. Oh, that's that movie. Yeah, because we actually had that. Like, actually, I, when we um, and we can talk about this in the next podcast. But this is my only connection to this movie <laughs> at all. Is that we had some trivia question about naming recent Tom Cruise movies, and all of us were sitting there like, wait, there was that one where like he was in like a Groundhog Day loop with like some sort of adventure. Like, what? What was happening? What was that? But none of us could remember what it was called. Well, and if it was Live, Die, Repeat, we might have had an easier time than Edge of Tomorrow. Any case, we're going to be watching Edge of Tomorrow. I still call it that because that's how I okay. saw it. Um, so until we do that, Emily, where else can we find you online? I'm on Twitter at EJ Reports. And I'm on Twitter at Hey Hey ESJ. This is Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob signing off. Bye, guys. This has been Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. For more, visit GVNPodcast.com. Just a perfect day. Drink sangria in the It gets dark, we go home 
Just a perfect day. Feed animals in the zoo. Then later, a movie too, and then home. Oh, it's such a perfect day. I'm glad I spent it with you. Oh, such a perfect day. You just keep.